So reading from Chaitanya Chiritamrita Madhililila, Chapter 11, Beda Kirtan Pastimes. And the good part of the drama of this chapter picks up in the lead of the previous chapter, in which, at the very beginning, Raj Prataparudra, the king of Puri, Kajapati, powerful lord of the elephants, inquired from his guru, Sarvam Bhattacharya, about having a darshan with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to which the Bhattacharya replied, this is very difficult. To get an interview with him, he's a very otherworldly sannyasi, doesn't associate with worldly people, and of course you're the king, which is the personification of worldliness. Besides that, he's already gone to the south. And the king at that time exhibited great love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by questioning his guru, why did you let him go? Why didn't you follow his feet and keep him here? And appreciating the king's devotion, about the charge replied, I tried that, but he's Sakshat Krishna Satantra. He's directly Krishna himself and fully independent. He can do what he likes. And the king took note, but the charge was a very sober person and his guru, and basically the guru of Puri, and he had said, and he was a very learned, big scholar, and basically he had said, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. So the king accepted it on the basis of his guru's understanding and replied that it may be difficult, but when he implied it may be difficult, but please try. And Sarvabhama said, yes, certainly I will make an effort. So as this chapter began, some effort was made and... Mahaprabhu immediately covered his ears and said, Vishnu, Vishnu, I cannot even hear the name of the king. The word king would speak of associate with the king because he reasoned well that his principles could be compromised in the eyes of the worldly people who might think that he was bought out by the politician, bought and paid for by the king. So he wanted to maintain his independence for the sake of others, for our sake, officially position of being independent, aloof, pure. But at the same time, the king was a great devotee, and Mahaprabhu heard about that when Ramananda came on the scene. Ramananda had been in the south, and he'd met Chaitanya Dev there, and Mahaprabhu instructed him, go back to Puri and reside there, and we will spend the rest of our days together. Soon I will return. And so, in order to do that, of course, Rai Ramananda had to get the permission of the king. So when Rai Ramananda appeared on the scene, Mahaprabhu was so happy to see him. He had indicated earlier when he met, when Sarvabhuma had introduced him to Bhavananda Rai, that of the five sons of Bhavananda Rai, Ramananda was very dear to him, like Arjuna was dear to Krishna. And so when he actually arrived, Mahaprabhu was overwhelmed with ecstatic joy, and they embraced the two of them and cried and astonished everyone with their exchange of love, primarily and secondarily, because here was a, socially speaking, a sannyasi embracing a, a sudra, very uh, unheard of. So Mahaprabhu's teaching crossed over the social boundaries, and he was very much a social reformer as much as he was a spiritual and religious reformer. And so everyone was astonished, and then Ramananda 
after Mahaprabhu saying how happy he was to see him that he was there, he gave the credit for his being there to the king. Again, Mahaprabhu heard the name of the king, and this time from another devotee, from Ramananda, his dear most. And Ramananda said that I'm here only because the king, upon hearing your name, that I mentioned that you had requested that I come here, just hearing your name, he became ecstatic. He made all arrangements for me to live here, retired with double pay, not just a pension, but he doubled my pay and told me to live here, free from any government duties or responsibilities, just by hearing you. It was your order. He got up from his seat and he touched me and I noticed ecstatic symptoms in him. He's a great devotee. He has great love for you. And Mahaprabhu said, you are Bhakta Pradhan, the chief of all the devotees, because he loves you, has served you, certainly Krishna will give him his darshan. This is the science. <laughs> By serving the devotees, then we get the company of Lord Krishna. And of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna, so indirectly he's saying he'll get the association. So it went on, and but the charge of Sarvabhoma was then approached by the king, who had arrived with Ramananda in Puri from being out in his kingdom. And he asked very anxiously of Sarvabhoma, what happened? Did you ask him? And... Of course, Sarvabhoma replied, yes, I asked him, but he, he threatened to leave town if I ever even mentioned it again. And imagine how mortifying this was to Pratipurja Maharaj, who replied that, such is my fate, that he is the avatar for the age, come to deliver all fallen souls, save and except for one Pratipurja. He delivered Jagai and Madai, but I must be more fallen than them, that he will not... Give me his association, such is my plight. What is the value, said, of my kingdom, my body? He more or less threatened to give up his life. He said, life is meaningless to me if I don't get his darshan. Now, when life is meaningless to a king who has everything, what must be the value, then, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association? In other words, without the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even the life of a king... He's the man who has everything. It becomes meaningless. We find in the Bhagavatam many stories of kings, like Bharat, the great Bharat, after whom India was named, giving up his kingdom and becoming like a beggar and living in the forest, ultimately, out of devotion for Lord Krishna. Parikshit Maharaj, great king, not kings, they were emperors, giving up the whole kingdom to sit on the bank of the Ganges and hear from Sukadev. So there are many stories like this of the kings abandoning their wealth. And it, these stories are there to teach us the value of Krishna consciousness over material opulence. Comparatively, we have nothing. We want everything. And these are men who had everything. This is the idea. And gave it up as if it was stool. Bard marshes compared. After passing stool, how quickly you want to get out of the bathroom? That quickly he left everything behind for Krishna consciousness. So what is the value of Krishna's association or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association? This we should learn from Maharaj Pratipurdra's reactions. They say, we have nothing. We want everything. This is our problem. We should learn in advance from these examples not to pursue all the worldliness, material facilities. It will get us nowhere. 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lived in Puri in a room, a quarter of the size of this room, and this is a small room, stone room. It didn't have panoramic windows or air conditioning or heating or anything. A little stone room. This is God, the supreme enjoyer, lived in a small room, but with such a big idea he had. Such a big idea came out of that room that he flowed underneath the door and came out in ecstasy at night and entered into Krishna Leela to the amazement of his devotees. The experience was such that, you see, Gaur Leela is so nice. Krishna Leela is wonderful, but Gaur Leela is more wonderful. Something was lacking in Krishna Leela. The whole Leela of Krishna really culminates in the uh, Rasa dance. This is the culmination of the Leela. Everything after that that follows in Bhagavatam is like the epilogue. It's all from there we reflect back on those moments. Krishna's consummating his relationship with the gopis and Radha. Previous to that, it's all building up. The life of Krishna is about his love for Radha and the gopis. This is the eternal romance. And when it reaches its peak in Rasa Leela, then this is the closest Radha and Krishna come. And their relationship is consummated. He's saying it plainly by his actions. We are meant for one another. And then afterwards, so many things happen. Tens of chapters. Uh, that is, uh, ends in chapter 33. 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Raspancha Jai. Five chapters. And shortly thereafter... Few more chapters. Krishna is going to Mathura, then to Dwarka, and the whole thing gets lost for those who don't have the taste and don't understand what it's about, <laughs> what Krishna's life is about. But if we study that Leela, even in Dwarka and Mathura, we find it keeps reflecting back and reflecting back. So this is the culmination. And so at this point in Krishna Leela, still something is, goes unfulfilled. Krishna has an ambition for love. He's Rasaraj. His love thirst is unquenched. And seeing the extent of the gopi's love, he desires to taste that. Seeing the measure of their love in separation from him, when he hides from them and from Radha as well, then he knows, I don't know love. Here I am, the king of the country of love. Rasaraj, they call me, but I don't know the extent of that love that I'm seeing before me. And so it doesn't get fulfilled in Krishna Leela, that ambition of Krishna to fully be Rasaraj, to fully taste the measure, the extent of love. So Krishna Leela ending at that point, in a sense, culminating at that point, is unfulfilled. Chaitanya Leela is there to fulfill that. In, as far as Krishna goes, in that Leela, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he tastes the love of the gopis. And that's what he is. He's a taster of love. That's Krishna. So we got the chance to do that to the fullest extent in Chaitanya Lila. So it is more significant. In Krishna Lila we find the precepts. What do we find in Gaur Lila? The practice. Which is more important? Practice or precept? The practice is more important, we are always told, than the precept. So Gaur Lila, the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that is... Uh, all in all for us. This is the way. This is the means. In Vrindavan and Navadvipa, they're not two different places. They're one place. Place means feeling. They're one feeling. 
manifesting differently for the purpose of fulfilling the ambition of Krishna. So we have to find our way into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leader. The king had a strong ambition with his Prataparudra Maharaj. He knew everything can be found there. We want so many things, so many facilities. We want still, we are devotees. This is the generosity of Bhakti and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Bhakti has come to us. Still, we want so many things. These are trifling things. The king had everything. He wanted to give it all up. He had the palace, everything. Palaces, treasury, elephants. He's called Gajapati, so he could maintain many elephants. His kingdom extended from Katak to Idinagar in the south, and the Muslims couldn't penetrate there at that time during his reign. Very powerful. He was prepared to give up everything. He said, my deha, my raja, my kingdom is worthless to me. I don't get the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And conversely, this ascetic Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, renunciate, sannyasi, had nothing, apparently. He lived in a gambira, this small stone room. If you ever go there, you're frightened by it, practically. If you think about it, he lived in there. God lived in there. The biggest idea, most big in accommodating sense, big, spacious, accommodating. It's like our body may be big and our mind may look small in comparison, we can't even see it. But the mind is more accommodating. You cannot carry everything in this room outside physically, but in your mind you can carry everything out. The mind is, this plane is more spacious, more subtle, more spacious, more accommodating. We can accommodate contradicting ideas in the mind, but when they meet physically, they can't be accommodated. And above mind is intellect, more spacious still. And above intellect is the soul, the plane of the Brahman, the Lord, in a general sense. We go up to Vaikuntha. Things are getting more accommodating, more spacious. Vaikuntha is more friendly than Brahman. We find some little bit of friendliness there. There's personal dealings accommodating. A little bit of friendliness, a bit of half of friendliness, mostly reverential, and one half of friendliness. And then we go to Golok, and there's Dwarka and Mathura and Vrindavan. It becomes more and more friendly, more and more affectionate, more and more accommodating, because what accommodations are all about is affection, really. We can live in a very, materially speaking, physically speaking, small space, but if there are friendly, affectionate dealings, then we can be happy. Two people in love can, the whole city can burn down. And their house too, if they have one another, then they have everything. So love is all accommodating. And the biggest idea, the most broadest, spacious idea of love, that is Vrindavan, selfless. Somebody asked me today, do, do they speak Sanskrit in, in the spiritual world? Is it a spiritual language or is it only the language of the gods? And of course, in the human like Leela of Krishna, they do speak some Sanskrit and so forth. But really in the spiritual world, I told them the language is love, which is means self-sacrifice, by which we communicate without any encumbrance with others because when we sacrifice ourself like love means two people sacrificing for one another you accept your lover's mind and your lover accepts your mind you stay in the same bodies but you change minds so you know whatever he wants whatever she wants and your body is carrying that out his mind her body is carrying out his this idea that why Krishna's dark and Radha's fair. They've changed minds. So it's full communication. Language inhibits our capacity to communicate. We want to communicate what? Feelings and what we're about. 
what we feel we want to communicate. And language makes it difficult. We try to. Communication, communion, is not encumbered by language there. So if there's any language ideas, it is language of love. I'm just trying to give a, a spiritual idea, answer to a kind of a material question, a material way of thinking about the spiritual world. What language do they speak? You see, <laughs> there's no language <laughs> in a sense. If there's language, it's not for the sake of communicating. Just like in Vrindavan, there is a sun and there is a moon. But they're not there to light the place up. <laughs> His dham is the place of no return. He says, There's no need for sun, moon, fire, electric light, neon sign. There's no need for that. It's self-effulgent. But there is a sun. There is a moon. They're demigods. They're also in Vrindavan. But they're all pure devotees. They're all part of the Leela. So they have language also. But the communication is not dependent upon the language. The communion is uninhibited. So if there's any language in the sense we want to talk about it, <laughs> at a medium of communication, there's a language of love, feeling, rules, guides, everyone there. So such a big idea of love that is Vrindavan, is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had in his heart and living in such a small room. We don't need material facility to love God. We need the association of mad people who are uninterested in material life, <laughs> like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so uninterested in material life that the very thought of the, the very sound of the, the name that's identified with material enjoyment was repulsive to him. So we have to understand that this kind of tag natural renunciation, natural disinterest in material life that goes well with actual spiritual life. They go together. What do we sing in the morning? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Slita. Brajarasa Bhavana Dustamatashatana. So the Brajarasa Bhav, the Bhava Brajarasa that we are interested in. Dustamata Shatana. Oh, this calm, material desire. This has to be these two lines are put together by Bhakti Vinod Taku for a reason. They go together. Distaste for material life that goes well for spiritual love, lack of spiritual love. So the greatest lover, Krishna, appearing as a tyagi, an aesthetic, a renunciate, no worldly interest, love not to be found in this plane, but on the spiritual plane of selflessness, self-forgetfulness. So the king had everything, but he thought it was all meaningless without the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And was, what is our position? We want everything. And think, if I get that, then I can be a nice devotee. If I can only get that, if I can have this, if I can... Actually, to some extent, that's true. If we're not peaceful enough materially, that's why the sannyasis are not supposed to ask the householders to give all their money. Then their minds will be disturbed because they need some money, and then they can't practice. So some level of material... Satisfaction must be there. The monks are allowed to beg for their maintenance, keep their basic upkeep. Preachers can ask for everything, <laughs> but <laughs> the basic monk life is, they can, there's an allowance. So according to our 
ashram, but overall, by and large, this is an important point. We don't need something material in order to love Krishna. We don't need money to love Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had no money. Rupa Goswami had no money. We cannot find bigger or better lovers of Krishna than them. The king had all money and he was ready to throw it out, give it up entirely if he could get Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association. This kind of determination in the king led Sarvabhauma to believe to understand he will get Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association. When our practice, our sadhana, our bhajan reaches this pitch that we're prepared to give up our life, our life is meaningless without Krishna, then we will be, know we will be successful. Our life is successful at that point. That kind of yearning. The king had that. Ramananda could understand. They saw great devotion in him. Mahaprabhu could understand. But externally, he said, anyway, he may be whatever he is. He may be a great devotee, but he's a king. I want nothing to do with him. He did that for us. Raj Prataparudra is suffering, having to hear this for us. This is the Leela. In other words, Mahaprabhu was keeping a particular posture in relation to materialism so that he would not be suspect, his character would not be suspect. A sannyasi should be independent. When I was a young man, just after I had taken sannyas a few months, I was with Prabhupada in Vrindavan, and I heard that Prabhupada was going to cook for himself. I heard this, I'm going to go down and watch him cook for himself. So I got all cleaned up and shaved up and everything, and went down to see Prabhupada. And he was, um, I think he was taking a massage. And uh, I said, Prabhupada, I heard that you were going to cook, so I came to watch you cook. And Prabhupada laughed. He said, no, everyone, they're cooking fine. Others are cooking fine. And then he said, but, but I can cook with wood, he said. Then he went on to talk of, I was a young sannyasi, so he was talking about the independence of a sannyasi. I can cook in the forest. I, I, I can, <laughs> like this he was speaking. So, this is the position. Sannyasi should not be paid for, bought by anybody, compromised by any bias, and so forth, but independent. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu set that example. And for us, and it was at the cost of the king's heartache, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart aching also for that king. He knew he was a great devotee. Hearing from Ramananda, his heart was softened. Hearing from Sarvabhama, his heart was affected. And the Rajpataparudra, such pain. He's a great devotee. But it's for our sake. This is Chaitanya Leela. How we cannot be endeared to that. What Krishna has done for us in his appearance as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the course of experiencing what was still left undone in Krishna Leela. See, this is wonderful news. What is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela? If we think about it, we regularly discuss and we have to love Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He makes it absolutely impossible for a thoughtful person who hears about him and what the extent of his mission was, what is his purpose, who he is, how he is Krishna. He's Krishna in a Leela with his unalloyed devotees. What he has to do with us who have no interest in him? Coming to experience the fullness of that Leela extension of that Leela, extension of his aspiration that was unfulfilled in Krishna Leela, he comes to the world as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in the course of doing that, just gives this out to everybody. Not only makes it available, but by his own person teaches how to practice it as well. 
This is very, very compelling. We should take note of the king's mood. Try to develop that kind of determination to take advantage of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. So in this way, the king suffered and replied to Sarvabhoma when he heard what the Lord's verdict was. But then the Bhattacharya, the guru of the king, said, he thought deeply when he saw the king's conviction. He had to go and think deeply. Because if the king gives up his life, well, what then? Aside from the devotional point of view and the internal considerations, externally, as I said, he was a very powerful king. And it's not that uh, the kingdom was not under attack. It was under attack from other Hindu kings at times and from the sultan. You know, they, the Muslims had to reign over Bengal. That was just down the road. And they're moving south. So if the king, such a powerful king, was to give up his life, and the kingdom would be in jeopardy, and this was a place of Jagannath, the temple, and these Muslims, they would come and they would defile the temple, they would take the deities and throw them on the stairs of the mosques and tell the patrons of the mosque that when you go and you kick the head of the deity, the Hindu deity, on your way into the mosque, then you're going to get a better place in heaven. This is how radical they were. I got quite a background, this uh, Islam of uh, violence. So, Bhattacharya was worried. He had to think well, what to do. This is, the king is mad for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association. We've got to make some time, somehow make a, <laughs> make a bridge here that he can get the association, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's principles can be preserved. So he, seeing the determination of the king, he said, you will get Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association. And he gave some Shastra to support because Krishna is independent. But he's controlled by love, Primadini. This Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like this. He's controlled by love, and you have that kind of love. So I can see. So it's sure. Now, let me give you some advice how this could practically play out. He said, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will come at the time of Ratayatra, and he will, in Gopi Bhav, he said, he will stand before the cart with his devotees and chant and dance. As the cart proceeds, he will come to the garden, and he will go into that garden there, and he will fall into a trance in the bhava of a gopi. At that time, if you come there, he's coaching him, at that time, if you come there, Rajveshchari, giving up the dress of a king, just dressed like a simple Vaishnav, and you chant the Raspanchajai, the Rasalila, five chapters of Rasalila from Bhagavatam, this will correspond with the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When he hears Krishna Nam from you, he said, when he hears Krishna Nam, and what happened, of course, this happens later on in the chapters to come, when the king came and sang Raspanchajaya, and he got to Gopi Gita, and he got to the ninth sloka that glorifies the Nam, Tavakatamitam taptajivanam kaliviriditam kaunasapaham shavanamangalam srimanatatam buvigantiye buridadunaha. At that point, Mahaprabhu came awake. From his internal absorption, he grabbed the king and embraced him and said, Go on singing. Go on singing. Sarvam was predicting. This hadn't happened yet. Rathiyatra hadn't occurred with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in it yet. But Sarvam could understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mood, so he predicted this would happen. He coached the king. So the king then heard this. He was satisfied. This was his guru speaking. Sarabhoma, he had confidence in him, so he was pacified to some extent. This will happen, of course, 
later on, not in this chapter. So this is going through a thread that goes through several chapters. There's much for us to learn from this mood of the king and the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in relation to him and the mood of the devotees who are in between the two trying to make the whole thing work, Mm -hmm. trying to accommodate Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's concern for us and accommodate his inner concern for the king and the king's concern for him as lord and devotee in love. So, then the Snan Yatra began. The king asked, when will the Snan Yatra begin? Because this is the beginning of the Yatra. And um, Bhattacharya said, in a few days. When it began, Mahaprabhu was very happy. But after it, he became very unhappy. Because then the Anavasara, the renovation of the deity takes place and the deity is taken from the temple and brought to Alalnath, where you cannot have darshan. So Mahaprabhu was very unhappy and he went to Alalnath. And the devotees went to try to bring him back. And in the coaching of Sarvoma, they were able to bring him back by telling him that the devotees from Bengal are coming. Come back to Puri. And indeed they were, 200 of them. 200 Mahabhagatas, as described. All the Nityaparshadas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Bengal, from Nadia, from Navadip, Advaita, and Shivananda, and so many were coming. Performing Sankirtan, Prema Sankirtan, the king wanted to know, of course, about these different devotees. So Sarvam said, I don't even know all their names, but Gopinath knows, my brother-in-law. He arrived on the scene, gave his blessings to the king as a Brahmin. They went up on top of the palace and they watched. And in came these devotees, such singing, such dancing, such praying, never seen before, the king said. Such sweetness in kirtan. Such sweetness in dancing, such love. I've never seen such. What kind of kirtan is this? Sarvam said, this is the Premasan kirtan. It's created by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. It's his own creation. As the Bhagavatam has described itself as another creation altogether. The San kirtan. Kolokero premodhan harinam san kirtan. It's otherworldly. It's other than this worldly creation. Anything that can be created in this world. There are all types of religious expressions that are grounded in this world. But this is coming from another motivation altogether. The background of this is deep within the spiritual realm appearing before us. So we're very fortunate to see this. And he said, you are very fortunate to understand what it is. And as I mentioned, the king had seen many, many thousands of pilgrims and different types of worship and kirtan and so forth, who come to Puri regularly. He had never seen anything like this before. And he could understand it was very extraordinary. So, in this way, he witnessed the arrival of the devotees, and the names were pointed out by Gopinath. This is Shuklambar, this is Sridhar, this is Advaita, this is Srivananda, this one, this is Mukunda, Murari, Haridas Thakur, Vakreshwar, Pandit, and... And he said, I can't, I can't go on, I can't name them all. Words just don't do justice to their glory. Say a little bit about them, this one, that one, but how can I accurately describe them? Look for yourself, just see. And the king did. And then, while explaining to the king what this was, Sarvamu quoted a verse from Bhagavatam. He said, Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam Yagnaisan Kirtana Prayar Yadantihi Sumedasaha. This is Krishna doing Kali Yuga Dharma. 
of Nams and Kirtan, along with his Parshadas, who are his weapons, Advaita, Nityananda, and these types, all Shuddha-bhaktas, Nitya-siddhas. And intelligent people, he said, as the verse says, intelligent people will take part in this, in Kali Yuga, this Sankirtan Yogi, those who have Sumedhisa. And what did the king say? Gurudev, he said, it is there in Shastra. Shastra Praman is there. Evidence in Shastra. And you've pointed it out. My question is, why don't intelligent people, learned people, take advantage of this? It says intelligent people will. Why don't they? So then <laughs> the explanation came. Actually, it didn't fully explain, but the explanation is this. It's not really intelligent. Sumedasa means Sukritiban, who has sufficient Sukriti, merit, in relation to bhakti, accumulated, it culminates in shraddha, in faith, beneath the ground. If you plant a seed, something happens as a germination of gyata sukriti. The roots go down and it starts to come up. You can't see it yet. That's like gyata sukriti, and it pops above the ground. So the plant has begun, and it's shraddha, the creeper of devotion, faith, unflinching faith, sublime sense, feeling, that simply by worshipping Krishna, by serving him, my life will be perfect. I know it. I don't do it, but I know it. That is called Shraddha. That is the beginning of Bhakti. So when we reach this point with fine, theistic kind of intelligence as a result of Sukriti, then we can take part in Sankirtan. It means that Bhikripa, my mercy. So the Sarvamu said, actually, even you may be learned and intelligent, but if you don't get the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then you cannot understand him. And who did he set as an example? His own self. He said, I volunteer myself as an example. This is the guru of the king speaking. I could not understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And everybody knows, you know, how learned I am. Perhaps the most learned man in all of Jagannath Puri. He could not understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he got the mercy of Gopinath. Gopinath, his brother-in-law, wanted him to know he was a Shuddha Bhakta. He desired that. And as a result of his desire, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fulfilled that and carried it out. He made Sarvabhoma a Bhakta, converting him by his silence. As I said the other night, he created the teachable moment. Sarvabhoma became teachable by the silence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he heard Vedanta from Sarvabhoma and said nothing. The gravity of Mahaprabhu's silence created a kind of a anxiety in Sarvabhoma. Something's going on here. He knows something that I don't know. And then he was in that, what they call in school, the teachable moment. He was converted at that point by the will of Gopinath, the silence of Mahaprabhu. And then Mahaprabhu spoke, of course, in Vedanta and sealed the case. The hole was dug by Gopinath's will, the silence put Sarvabhoma inside, and the speaking of Mahaprabhu covered and built a temple on top of it. His old life, gone, finished. And the king saw the devotees, they didn't go to the Jagannath temple, they just ran to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu gave some indication, and tons of prasad were brought to his residence, and the devotees were taking prasadam. And the king said, what's going on? What kind of activities are these? They've come to the Tirtha. They didn't shave their head and bathe and fast for a day. They're not going to the temple. They're just going to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and they're taking prasadam. And with a chuckle, Sarvama said, Yes, this is Ragmarg. This is a very special thing. What you say is true. There is Vidhi that governs Tirtha Jatra, visiting the place of Tirtha. But 
That's for ordinary people. These people are very different. <laughs> they are agatmika bhaktas. They have spontaneous love, svabhavika, prem, in their hearts. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with his big hand, is offering them prasad. He's arranging that prasad. So it's, he says it's the indirect order of the Lord that we should follow these regulations before taking prasad. But if he comes before you and offers you prasad, you'd be crazy not to take that. That's what's going on here. He's Krishna. This is very extraordinary. He is Krishna. He's doing this. So we should follow him. That's the whole purport of the scripture. All those other things are meant to get us in line to follow Krishna. When Krishna comes and says, do it this way, <laughs> forget all that, then we do that. Such was their position. So this is a very special kind of love that they have. And of course, it doesn't mean now we should forgo all rules and regulations because we're followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We have to think, what kind of follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu am I? What happens when you go to a distant place? As you arrive there, you start to think, where am I going to stay? What am I going to eat? What will the food be like? Where will I get it? Where will I stay? What will my quarters be like? Where will my residence be? All these things. We even think those things when we go to a holy place, unless it's arranged ahead of time. And Prabhupada, for example, made a nice arrangement for all his disciples. They didn't have to think about that. Still, the sannyasis thought, which room will I get? Or the GB thought, which room will I be in? <laughs> These devotees weren't thinking like that. They had no thought whatsoever where they would stay, what they would eat. They just went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's feet. And Mahaprabhu arranged residence for them. Mahaprabhu arranged prasad for them. We should learn from this. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will take care of us. He will protect us. Try to think only of getting the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, nothing else. He will make arrangements for us. Big arrangements. Very accommodating arrangements. He will make entrance to Vrindavan possible for us. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami had to leave home on account of the actions of his brother, which were offensive to Nityananda Prabhu. He became a homeless person. But Nityananda Prabhu came to him and said, you did that for me? And that means you did that for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because I represent Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I give you entrance to Vrindavan. You opened the doors for him. They can do this, Gaur Nityananda. They can give us such spacious accommodations. What kind of accommodations we can arrange for ourselves? What kind of comfort compared to that? These devotees were like that. Spontaneously they went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They had no thought for personal comfort whatsoever. We want to tread the Ragmard, but our loba is very tender, komal. A good company, it will become stronger. And by practicing vidhi bhakti, vidhi bhakti, it will become stronger also. We have interest in Vrindavan and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That means the Ragmard. But our interest is little, only small. So it needs support from all the rules and regulations. We don't follow the rules just for their sake, to go to Vaikuntha, but to give support. Just like if we have adhikar for bhakti, then we transcend varnashram. But our adhikar is shraddha, and it may be weak. Therefore, great souls like Bhakti Thakur have talked about a daiva varnashram, a kind of varnashram fashion to give support to that shraddha for bhakti. Yes, bhakti is the paramhamsa marg, but it doesn't mean you become a paramhamsa the first day that you tread the marg. So Vaidhi Bhakti also it is there, it gives support. And if we culture that with the right idea in mind, the jewel of rag will come to us as the teaching of Bhakti Thakura. So he didn't mention at Chaitanya Charitamrita that by following Vidhi Marg you cannot get the prema of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
But Krishna is not attracted by that. But don't misread that and think we just throw that out. No. It has some place also in relation to rag for those whose interest, whose lobha, greed, shraddha, lobomai, the shraddha that has some greed in it for Vrindavan. Because Vrindavan is that. Vrindavan is, means greed. It means without reverence. This is the life of the Vrindavan devotees. So we have interest in that. But it's only little interest. So it needs support. These devotees' interest was full. They had no need for any support. So they ran to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The king's witnessing all of this. Sarvabhoma is explaining it. And so, this is where we reached today then. Sarvabhoma also gave his own example of his own conversion. After Mahaprabhu converted him, he came early in the morning. Sarvabhoma was sleeping. Mahaprabhu brought prasad, woke him up. He says that he tells the king, at that time I got up, I didn't wash my mouth, my hands, I sat on my bed and took prasad. I was fully converted. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu converted me fully. Mahaprabhu was very satisfied to see that. He went that day to measure how much he was really converted from being a smarta to being a bhakta. So he cites this example. Kabiraj Goswami continues, Tobiraj Otolika hoite tolete aila kashi mishra patra dunghe anaila. So thereafter then Raj Pratapurudra Atalika Huite Talate Aila. He came down from the top of the palace where they were, Kashimishra Podicha Patradunhe Anaila. And he called for Kashimishra, who's the temple inspector who had arranged a residence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He called for Kashimishra and the temple commander both. Kashimishra is the person who arranged a residence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at the king's request. Pratapurudra Agyad Nila Seidvijan Prabhustani Asihachen Jata Prabhurgane. And the order of the king, these two persons, Kasimishra and the temple commander, Prabhustani Asihachen, the place of Mahaprabhu, they arrived in the group of Mahaprabhu's associates. Sabari Sachandavasa, Sachanda Prasad, Sachandra Darshan, Kuriha Nahi Jena. Bhada. So they made convenient arrangement for darshan of Jagannath, Swachanda darshan, Swachanda prasad, arrangement for prasad, and vasa, Swachanda vasa, sabari for everybody, residence it means. These two arranged everything fully for all the devotees. And Prabhura Agna Palihadunghe Swadhanahanga Agnanahe Tabu Koriya Ingito Bhujya. So it said, the Prabhura Agna, the orders of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that must be very carefully followed, carried out. This is what the king is advising them. Agna Nahe Tobu Tabu Koriya Ingito Bhujya. It means that Agna Nahe, if he doesn't order, you should try to find out what he wants anyway and make it happen. This is how we should try to conduct ourselves. As Prabhupada used to say, first class disciple is one who understands what the guru wants and does it. The second one can't understand, but when he hears what he wants, then he does it. And the third one, even after hearing, doesn't do it. So we shouldn't be in the third category. He's telling them we should be first-class followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so attentive to his desires. that any indication he gives, immediately you should fulfill, even without him having to give any order. Eto bali vidtai dila seidui jan sarvabhoma dekite aila Vaishnava Milane. So, 
Hitobali saying this, then these two persons, Bidai Gildila, they were given permission to leave. And Sarvam also, he went with the Vaishnava, Degidi Aila Vaishnavi Milani to the gathering of all the Vaishnavas. Gopinatha Charja, Bhatta Charja Sarvoboma, Durirahi Deki Prabhu Vaishnava Milani. So Gopinatha Charja and Bhatta Charja Sarvoboma, standing a little bit dure, a little bit far, a little bit hidden, Deki Prabhu Vaishnava Milani. They watched, they saw the meeting of the Vaishnavas and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Singhadwara Dahine Chadi Sab Vaishnavgan Kashi Mishra Grihapate Karila Gaman. So at the Dahine, on the right side of the Singhadwara, the lion gate, Chodi Sab Vaishnavgan, leaving aside all of the Vaishnavgan, the collection of devotees, Kashi Mishra Grihapate Karila Gaman. They proceeded on the path to the house of Kashi Mishra. Hen Kali Mahaprabhu Nitya Gana Sange Vaishnavi Milila Asi Pati Bhurange. So Hen Kali, in the meantime, Mahaprabhu Prabhu Nitya Gana Sange in his own group, accompanied by his own people, met all the Vaishnavas, means from Bengal, his people from the Puri side, on the road in great joy. Advaita Kurila Prabhu Charana Vandan Acharya Kurila Prabhu Premalingan. First Advaita Kurila Prabhu Charana Vandana. Advaita came and he offered his obeisances and prayers to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Typical of him wanting to always be known as subordinate to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, although Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was respected him as a senior. Acharyari Koila Prabhu Prema Alingana. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embraced him in ecstatic love. Apana Nikati Prabhu Shab Bhasaila Apani Shihaste Sabari Malya Gandadila. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he made all of them sit by his side and with his own hand, Sihaste, Aupani Sihaste Sabari Malyagandadila. He gave them uh, garland and sandalwood pulp. Bata Charja Acharja Tobe Mahaprabhu Shtani Yata Jogya Milila Sabar Sabakar Sane. So after this, Gopinatha Charja and Sarvabhuma met all the Vaishnavas at the place of Mahaprabhu in a befitting manner. So we'll stop there. Short reading and a long recap for those of you who weren't here. Any question? Could you please explain a bit about the difference between Vaidhi uh, Bhakti and Vagam? Well, uh, the difference is that Vaidhi Bhakti leads to a certain type of bhav, you reverence, and rag. Marg leads to devotion in which the on reverence is conspicuous by its absence. And those on the mighty Marg, their devotion is motivated primarily by scriptural do's and don'ts. Because bhakti is based on faith in scripture, which is a prominent manifestation of the Lord's grace and revelation, rather than on an ascending path by using our physical strength or mental or intellectual prowess to ascend. We accept that it has to come down to us. The scripture is a prominent manifestation of that descent of divinity. So generally, faith, shraddha, is described as in relation to faith in the scripture. And the scripture says certain things you should do and certain things you shouldn't do. So once one's devotion is motivated by, I shouldn't do that because that will be bad for me, 
I should do this because that will be good for me. And then the human logic, the reasoning, why you should be a devotee and so forth, that's called Vaidhi Bhakti. When your devotion is not dependent upon those things, then it's called Rag. So, if you can stop hearing the scripture and all the reasoning that's usually there in the classes, why is this good, and why we should be devotees, and why we shouldn't be, and just love Krishna, then you're fully qualified to tread the Rag mark. <laughs> but we need all these things, don't we, to support our bhakti. That's a fact, otherwise people go down, down, down so quickly. It's not just, well, some devotees serve Krishna like this in Vrindavan. Some devotees serve Krishna like this in Vaikuntha. I like the Vrindavan. I'm on the rock mark. Therefore, I don't need to follow so many rules and regulations. This is a distortion. As we teach the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, that it's um, also as a level of attainment, qualification for this rock mark of devotion, that it may come from previous life or it can come in this life. And it will arise out of, primarily, association with such persons who are of that standard. By Mahat Kripa, the mercy of great souls will come from that. There are some pradayas full of those kind of great souls who come and teach, like Bhakti Thakur, for example. But they teach us appropriately how to go about it. So. They've told us to do so many things in such a way that if we follow naturally and happily, we'll develop along these lines. In other words, they've been merciful to us and interested us in the highest prospect of Vrindavan, Raj Bhakti. I mean, we don't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> we got that. So we have, we're on the path. Now, all their supporting instructions we should follow until the intensity of our devotion is such that it's carrying itself. We have some ruchi. We may be Aragnu the Bhakta in the stage of Anishta Bhajana Kriya, unsteady practice, but we're not a very... That's a generous way of speaking about ourselves, because that's our ideal. So at that point, our rag is mixed with Vaidhi Bhakti, and it has to be mixed with Vaidhi Bhakti to support it. So as it develops gradually, gradually then, in Ruchi Bhakti, then when you reach this stage, or Nishta, and more so Ruchi, then you can follow naturally one's acquired taste. So that's how we frame it in our lineage. Other people do differently, and mostly Bhakti Sarasri Thakur was opposed to that. This just kind of like, well, here are the two paths. Which one do you like? I like Ragmark. Okay, you're Rag Bhakta. And um, so now immediately you will do Astakali, Lasmarnam, and this is what Aragabhaktas do. No, not like that. <laughs> but yes, okay, this is the path you're on, naturally. But now you do it like this. Plant Tulsi, <laughs> do these things. Clean the temple. So, I mean, it's a long answer. I, you know, I could write a book about that. What's the difference between these two paths? But that's the basic difference. Raghavakta means you want to follow in the footsteps of an inhabitant of Vrindavan, the way they love Krishna. And it crystallizes and becomes more specific according to your inner aspiration in time, which group, where, and so forth. So, we'll stop there. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai, Gaurvatananda Ki Jai, Gauriya Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Gaurvakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaurvakta Vrinda Ki Jai,